Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. This great nation will endure as it has endured. Let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Freedom and the dignity of the individual have been more available and assured here than in any other place on earth. You are about to embark upon the great crusade toward which we have striven these many months. The eyes of the world are upon you. The hopes and prayers of liberty-loving people everywhere march with you. We're not, as some would have us believe, doomed to an inevitable decline. I do not believe in a fate that will fall on us no matter what we do. I do believe in a fate that will fall on us if we do nothing. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. From every mountainside, let freedom ring, and if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. So let freedom ring. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Here's your host, Bob France. Yes, indeed, it is Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Thank you so much for being with us. I am Bob France. This is a Thursday, the 11th morning of the 8th month of the year of our Lord, 2022. And we have a very, very big show for you today. A couple of members of Congress who are going to talk to us about the ongoing assault on, well, America by attacking and targeting and harassing President Donald J. Trump, President 45. They continue to attack and target and harass you and me, all of America, unconstitutionally, illegally, and as more and more information is coming out, wholly unnecessarily. And we're going to talk about it. Coming up in a half an hour at 9.35, Warren Davidson, Representative Warren Davidson, will be the first of two members of Congress to be joining us with reaction to what we are seeing. We're looking forward to that conversation at 9.35 at 10.10. Dr. Everett Piper will also have some thoughts on the raid, the IRS, the FBI, the weaponization of America, or excuse me, of American agencies against Americans. 
Uh, he will also tell us why he wrote his column this past Sunday. Now, this is the day before the raid on Mar-a-Lago. But he wrote his column for the Washington Examiner expressing his support for Ron DeSantis as the next president of the United States, as the next GOP nominee at this very early stage, of course. We still haven't hit the midterms yet. We're still 90 days away-ish. But um, he wrote a piece about Ron DeSantis, but he is still very defensive of Donald Trump. I find myself in the same kind of boat. I am very defensive of Donald Trump, and my... Feeling while I continue to support Ron DeSantis as being perhaps the very best choice for president in 2024, there's a part of me that also knows that if they continue to target Donald Trump with the, with the fervor, the vigor, the vitriol that they are, then he's the right man for this job. They are terrified of him. Terrified of what he can and will do to them to the swamp, and again, I know that's a little bit of you know old talking, you know, drain the swamp, drain the swamp the first time around, and he didn't. He tried a little bit, but he got involved in it a little bit too. But I think he will tear down all of their institutions if he comes back and wins again, and they know that, which makes me think maybe this is exactly what has to happen. I'm going to discuss it. Kind of, kind of toss it around with Dr. Piper at 1010. Then at 11, or I beg your pardon, at 1035, so also in the second hour, Congressman Troy Nels of Texas will be joining us. Uh, Congressman Nels used to be Sheriff Troy Nels, and I've interviewed him a couple of times on Houston radio, uh, talking about, uh, legal matters and law enforcement down there. But now, of course, we're going to talk about President Trump, about the raid, about the weaponization of the IRS, the weaponization of the FBI, and more with Congressman Troy Nels. Not to mention his new book as well. That'll be coming up at 1035. So Representative Davidson, Dr. Piper, and Representative Nell's guests on the program today. And as I like to say every day, you are always an invited guest to join us for discussion of these issues and more at 216-901-0945. I mean that very personally. I want you to call. We had great calls yesterday. A lot of very interested persons had a lot of very important things to say, and I really enjoyed it. I learn a lot whenever I hear from you. Don't get me wrong. I think I was born to teach. I like to teach. I was a teacher a classroom teacher for the first six years of my professional career out of college before I got into radio. Uh, and I kind of continue like to be the person doing the explaining, but I like to learn as well. Being a student uh, is just as important as being a teacher. And I learn a lot when I get great phone calls from you. So be a part of that. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Now, before we get started with the news of the day, I will ask you to rise. As an American patriot that you are, face your flag if you have one nearby. If you don't, maybe the neighbor has one on their porch. Maybe take a look out the window and stand and face that one. Put your hand on your heart and join us for our Pledge of Allegiance to start our proceedings today. If you uh, do not have one, like I said, close your eyes and imagine one. If you do not want one, if you do not believe in this government being of the people, by the people, and for the people, and if you believe in targeting a president with un unprecedented uh, harassment and intimidation from a weaponized FBI, then you don't know what liberty is. And if you don't know what liberty is, you don't understand that flag. And if you don't understand that flag, then you are exempted from pledging your allegiance to it. Instead, feel free to take a knee wherever you might be and pretend you're kneeling next to your favorite ex-quarterback and your favorite ex-WNBA player serving a nine-year sentence in Russia. Maybe kneel next to your favorite ex-pink-haired soccer player none of whom like this country. 
As for the rest of us, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Actually, I think I announced that better yesterday when I said she's uh, recently signed a new nine-year contract in Russia. Uh, so, yeah, either way, that's where uh, that's where Brittany is hanging out. All right, let's dive into it now. There, there are some new questions about the raid of Mar-a-Lago on Monday after this startling revelation of a grand jury subpoena this past spring of President Trump and extensive cooperation by President Trump and his attorneys. He received a subpoena, according to uh, multiple reports, uh, the one I'm getting from John Solomon at First News, but he received a spring grand jury subpoena to turn over certain documents, documents that he did gather and turn over, and he allowed agents to search a storage locker that the FBI later raided. This doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It it raises more questions, as I say, than it does uh, provide answers. But the the biggest question, of course, is if he cooperated in the spring with the subpoena, then why did they feel the need to raid his home on Monday? Why not issue another subpoena? What evidence do you have that he would not cooperate and turn over whatever they wanted turned over if they had already done this? Quoting from Just the News, Two months before his Florida home was raided by the FBI, former President Trump secretly received a grand jury subpoena for classified documents belonging to the National Archives. He voluntarily cooperated by turning over responsive evidence, surrendering security surveillance footage, and allowing federal agents and a senior Justice Department lawyer to tour his private storage locker, according to a half-dozen people familiar with the incident. While the cooperation was mostly arranged by his lawyers, Trump personally surprised the DOJ National Security Division prosecutor and three FBI agents who came to his Mar-a-Lago compound on June 3rd, greeted them as they came to pick up a small number of documents compliant with the subpoena. These sources told just the news, speaking only on condition of anonymity, because the visit was covered by grand jury secrecy. The subpoena requested any remaining documents Trump possessed with any classification markings, even if they involved photos of foreign leaders, correspondence, or mementos of his presidency. Secret Service agents were also present and facilitated the visit. Trump signaled his full cooperation, telling the agents and the prosecutor, look, whatever you need, let us know. End quote. That, according to two eyewitnesses who spoke to Just the News. The federal team was surprised by the president's invitation and asked for an immediate favor to see the six-foot-by-ten-foot storage locker where his clothes, shoes, documents, and mementos from his presidency were being stored at the compound. Given Trump's instruction, the president's lawyers complied and allowed the search by the FBI before the entourage left cordially. Five days later, DOJ officials sent a letter to Trump's lawyers asking them to secure the storage locker with more than just the lock that they had seen. The Secret Service installed a more robust security lock to comply. Around the same time, the Trump Organization, which owns Mar-a-Lago, received a request for surveillance video footage covering the locker and volunteered the footage to federal authorities. 
The disclosure Wednesday to Just the News raised immediate new questions in legal and congressional circles about the necessity for this subsequent raid, including whether the judge who approved the warrant knew of earlier cooperation. The more we learn, said uh, um, George Washington University law professor Jonathan Turley to Fox, the more we learn, the more confusing this gets. Did they relay this history to the magistrate? That, according to these sources, that the president had cooperated? I mean, the idea that he was subject to a subpoena, complied with the subpoena, didn't challenge it, voluntarily showed the storage room to the agents, followed their advice, secured it to meet their demands, all of that is hardly a basis for saying, now, we need to send in 40 FBI agents on a raid. I mean, if the subpoena worked the first time, then presumably a second subpoena would work a second time if there were remaining documents. I want people to understand what we're, what we're talking about here. I want you to get this. If they gave Donald Trump a subpoena to turn over documents from his Mar-a-Lago compound this past spring, and that subpoena was complied with on June 3rd when the agents were welcomed into the home and given access to the storage locker and given what they wanted, then the predicate for the raid from Monday is completely erased. It's wiped out. As Alan Dershowitz has has declared, as Jonathan Turley has declared, as legal scholars all over this country have declared, a raid serving a warrant by the FBI is a last resort if you're not getting cooperation from the target of a subpoena. But they were getting that of that cooperation. They were getting it. They did get it. They acknowledged getting it. And yet they still decided we're going in there with 40 agents and a rider truck out front making sure that cameras everywhere were buzzing around. Why? In, I think by any estimate, the one thing that we can say is that if they already got cooperation back in June for the subpoenaed documents that they had requested, and yet they came back in August this past Monday and did this great big giant dog and pony show, it was not about searching. It was not about gathering documents. It was about politics. It was about making sure that everybody in America knew that we were raiding Mar-a-Lago and that we have an authorization, a warrant signed by a judge or a magistrate anyway. And that means Donald Trump is criminal. That means Donald Trump. And they were there for nine and a half hours. We're finding this out. They started on Monday at Mar-a-Lago at 9 a.m., they were there until 6.30 p.m. searching for things that they had already been given access to voluntarily after they subpoenaed documents back in June. Why would they need to do this if not for political purposes to embarrass, to incriminate, to make Trump look like he was guilty of something? This is another game-changer. And it truly underscores how the FBI was weaponized and working on behalf not of the department, not on behalf of the Department of Justice, 
but on behalf of President Joe Let's Go Brandon. Biden continues to say, and so does Corrine Jean-Pierre, they continue to say very unconvincingly that we had no knowledge of the raid in advance. Baloney. Hogwash. Those are the words I can use on radio. This was coordinated from the top and passed on through the Department of Justice and Merrick Garland and to Chris Ray and his FBI. This is an attempt to try to stop Trump from being able to run. The only way to do it is to conduct this highly unnecessary raid of a compound that they had already been given voluntary access to two months earlier. That is a game changer, my friends. It may make you wonder, just who is this judge who authorized such a blatant political maneuver? Well, we have the answer to that, too. I'm going to tell you about him right after this. It's 922. This is Always Right Radio. All of the information I'm sharing with you right now is available right now on my webpage. It's updated and uploaded. Check it out. AlwaysWrite.us. AlwaysWrite.us. Every piece of this information is available to you. Check it out. And then uh, join us at 216-901-0945. Right back. Nine twenty six now. Always right. Radio AM fourteen twenty. The answer. So, who is this judge? Who is the judge? We talked about it last segment. Well, Bruce Reinhardt um, carries a very, very interesting resume with him. He is a judge, the one who authorized this Mar-a-Lago raid on Monday, who previously recused himself from a lawsuit involving President Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. The federal magistrate judge who authorized this raid recused himself from the former president's lawsuit against Hillary Clinton and other Democrats in the Russia collusion scandal, citing concerns that he couldn't be impartial. What does that mean? He says he couldn't be impartial. That means he favors one side over the other. How do we know which side that he favored? Well, I don't know. Let's take a look at the things that he wrote on Facebook about Donald J. Trump. The the magistrate judge who approved this raid on Mar-a-Lago once recused himself from the lawsuit that Trump filed against Hillary Clinton and the Democrats for the fake, phony Russia collusion investigation. The entire witch hunt, the entire thing that started with a phony uh, dossier to get warrants from a FISA court to spy on the Trump campaign and the Trump presidency. It's a lawsuit that should be a slam dunk. Hillary Clinton, who paid for it, the DNC, which authorized it, and then the the individuals who carried it out, from Michael Steele, they all ought to pay massive amounts of money for this extraordinary fraud and the damage that it did to the credibility of the President of the United States. The newly elected and duly elected President was harmed. And this lawsuit was filed against them, and this judge, Judge Bruce Reinhardt, in West Palm Beach, Florida, recused himself because he said that he could not be impartial. That means there was, quote, a personal bias or prejudice concerning a party or personal knowledge of disputed evidentiary facts. 
Reinhardt could not serve as the judge in that case because of his impartiality. And now we know what his impartiality was about. Judge Bruce Reinhardt, the federal magistrate, had been noted for his previous work to help employees of Jeffrey Epstein secure immunity deals from the government. And now also we find out that he has been very vocal publicly on social media in his opposition and his disdain for President Donald J. Trump. Thanks to some terrific research by Florida's Voice, which is a Facebook account created in 2008 with the same name, they were able to uncover Reinhardt's previous Facebook postings about Donald Trump. In a status, a Facebook status, posted by Reinhardt, and it's been archived for posterity, he shared a Dan Rather quote. A quote from Dan Rather, a post from Dan Rather, that took issue with President Trump's tweets. And Reinhardt quoted degenerate Clinton administration official Robert Reich as well by saying, quote, I generally ignore the president-elect's tweets, but not this one. John Lewis arguably has done more to make America great than any living citizen. Last August, I took my son to the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Selma so he could understand the kind of courage and sacrifice required to live in a democratic society. John Lewis embodies that spirit. Although I've never met him, he is one of my heroes. Thank you, Robert Reich, for saying what many of us feel. John Lewis is the conscience of America. Donald Trump doesn't have the moral stature to kiss John Lewis's feet. Or as Joseph Welch once said to Joseph McCarthy, at long last, have you no uh, have you left no sense of decency? His other Facebook post about Donald Trump, again quoting uh, uh, Dan Rather, was also dismissive and derisive, critical of Donald Trump. So here's what we have, just to do the math for you here. One plus one is two. One, this judge, Bruce Reinhardt, has made disparaging comments about Donald Trump on Facebook, wanting everybody to know that he doesn't like the man. Two, he once recused himself from a lawsuit filed by Donald Trump against Hillary Clinton because he said he couldn't be partial, indicating that he does have a disdain for one of the parties. And now we know which one it is. Trump. Now, the end result. This is the judge that authorizes a raid on Mar-a-Lago, a last resort raid before telling the parties involved to go through the subpoena process so such a raid would not be necessary. And you don't think that this is, that the fix is in? My goodness. It gets worse by the day, and I'm glad. Because now we're exposing every single bit of it. Reactions coming next from Congressman Warren Davidson. He'll join us on AM 1420, The Answer. Wallach-a-doodle. Spreading the light of liberty and holding the line against the darkness of tyranny. Always write radio with Bob France. And the answer. All right, so that's some pretty uh, in, important breaking news that we're getting from Just the News about that spring subpoena and President Trump's full cooperation. Let's get reaction out, as promised, from Ohio Congressman Warren Davidson joining us now on AM 1420, The Answer, as this continues to just baffle uh, legal experts around the country. Congressman Davidson, good to have you back. How are you this morning, sir? Uh, always an honor. Thanks for having me on today. 
Absolutely, our pleasure. So we we were spending a lot of time discussing this breaking news that uh, multiple sources uh, very close to President Trump and close to the event said that there was a subpoena this past spring from the FBI uh, to uh, uh, to gather and collect some uh, documents for the National Archives, the Justice Department, rather. And President Trump cooperated on June 3rd. President Trump personally surprised the DOJ National Security Division prosecutor and agents who came to his compound on June 3rd and greeted them as they came to pick up a small number of documents compliant with the subpoena. They requested access to his personal storage locker where he stored a lot of his stuff from his presidency. He followed everything to the letter. So, Congressman Davidson, my first question for you is, if they got full cooperation from a subpoena the first time around, why wouldn't they just come back with a second subpoena and say, yeah, we need to look at a few more things. Why 40 agents for nine and a half hours uh, uh, serving this warrant very, very publicly with cameras buzzing all around, if not for politics? Well, look, it's always uh, hard to assign motives, but I think at this point, after three years of uh, Russia collusion based on fraudulent warrants, after the way they've politicized the FBI in every front and so many other agencies, it's hard to trust that this was an objective uh, action by the FBI or by the Department of Justice. And you look at the ties uh, to the judge that issued the warrant, hard to believe it's an objective thing. So, you know, America's uh, justice system is supposed to be beyond reproach, and we're sadly at a position where no one feels that way. You know, that's that's a great point. Um there, there was a there was a commentator on MSNBC on Tuesday after this all went down on on Monday, who said that uh, the FBI deserves the benefit of the doubt. All of these critics, all of these Trump supporters, all of these MAGA supporters, and so forth, being critical of the FBI are not giving them their due, uh, their due, and uh, and the respect of the benefit of the doubt that they knew what they were doing. And and. I have to ask you, how do you feel about this FBI, the same FBI that, you, as you pointed out, um, uh, uh, surveilled uh, a, a presidential campaign and then an actual sitting president, all based on phony information, phony warrant, FISA court warrants obtained by, uh, by fraudulent documents and so forth. Has the FBI, in your opinion, Congressman, earned the benefit of the doubt, this FBI under this leadership? They had the benefit of the doubt for the first year of the Russia collusion thing. And then as everything started unwinding, you know, people said, well, I don't know. I don't know where Trump is coming from with they spied on my campaign. Let's give the FBI the benefit of the doubt. And then when you look after the fact, who was right? It was Donald Trump. Uh, they were they were doing all the things he said they were doing, and they were basing it on lies. And there's still no accountability for the people that were doing the lying. Uh, and the spying. So, you know, I think they've given given away that. And, you know, when, when James Comey was fired, it was a chance for a reset with the FBI. I got to personally tell Christopher Ray, hey, I had never met you, uh, but you got to know that people in my district just don't trust you guys. You know, the rank-and-file FBI agents, uh, they're inclined to do that, but the leadership is very damaged. So, you know, I wish you well, and I hope that you take this opportunity to restore the credibility of the FBI that is truly tainted in the eyes of a lot of Americans. Uh, and, and obviously he hasn't done that. He's gone the other way. Everything that would undermine the credibility of the FBI, they've done. And they've almost flaunted it. I mean, they're basically saying, look, if you're with us, if you're with the, if you're with the far left, if you're with the, the leadership of the DNC, I'm not even going to say Democrats, not even all the Democrats in Congress, the far left, the people pushing the envelope in this country, politicizing every kind of agency uh, that we can get after, whether it's the FBI, the SEC, the IRS, the, S- 
FDIC, bank regulators filtering bank transactions, debanking people. Um, if you're with these guys, well, we got your back, Hunter Biden. We got your back, Hillary Clinton. We got your back, Lois Lerner. Uh, you got nothing to fear. We're, we're in your camp. Uh, and But if you're on the other side, if you're a Republican Supreme Court justice, uh, or if you're supportive of Donald Trump, and of course, if you are Donald Trump uh, or his family, we're coming after you. And it's just like Ch- Senator Chuck Schumer said, you know, they've got six ways to Sunday, seven ways to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Who knows, however many ways uh, they're going to get after you if you cross them. And clearly, you know, what he said is there's a way that this uh, group gets politicized and, and you know, turned against uh, people. It looks like that's what's happened. And so I think it's really hard to say, oh, well, let's just keep giving them the they've ruined that. Well, targeting Trump supporters, in addition to Trump himself, is uh, is evident, which we'll talk about in a moment. And that is, of course, the politicization and the weaponization of not just the FBI, but of the IRS by way of this ridiculous bill. Uh, but let me, I want to stay where we are on, I want to talk about law and order here. Um, you know, Hillary Clinton was verified by the FBI to have uh, um, held on to and refused to surrender over 33,000 documents marked classified by the president, classified documents that were marked as such. She didn't not only turn them over, she destroyed them and every ev- every trace evidence of them ever existing. She d- deleted them from her computers. Then she bleach bit her com- uh, uh, her computers so they could not be recovered. Then any evidence that might have been on email exchanges by way of uh, BlackBerry phones at the time were smashed with hammers so th- their drives could never be recovered as well. And Congressman Warren Davidson, they never raided her. They never punished her. There was no repercussion for this. And now, how do you feel about your Democrat colleagues all chanting in unison, no one is above the law, in, in reference to President Trump? Well, if it weren't for double standards, they wouldn't have standards. I mean, this, is, this has been an ongoing problem. And this is why people, look, they, wanna, they want uh, the principle to be there. No one should be above the law. They want Lady Justice blindfolded. But frankly, for a generation or more, no one has believed that out of the FBI or the Department of Justice. And, you know, even when Donald Trump was president, even when Jeff Sessions was attorney general, when Bill Barr was attorney general, uh, you know, people knew that it was hard to get uh, the people in the Department of Justice to actually uh, do the things that the administration was pushing to do that were well within the, I mean, the, the authority of the president of the United States. So anyone that doubts that there was a deep state, at this point, how do you keep doubting that there's a deep state? I mean, there are people that, are basically on autopilot to run their agenda or some other some other agenda than whatever is the duly elected leadership of the country, and uh, you know you, you you as I said you highlighted as well uh, there are people that are above the law that's if you're with the the cause and if you're not well they're going to target you and that's exactly what's happened look at the message that targeting Scott Perry sends uh, you know they seize the chairman of the Freedom Caucus's phone. Why would they do that? Well, the most supportive uh, faction of Congress for President Trump has been the Freedom Caucus. Uh, so it's it's uh, it's hard to say that that's an objective approach. Maybe it is, uh, but I think we're we're right to be skeptical at this point. And really, the right thing would be for Merrick Garland to come in tomorrow and talk to the just uh, the the uh, you know Judiciary Committee in Congress and explain to Republicans and Democrats here's what's going on in the Department of Justice. 
Um, we're talking with Congressman Warren Davidson now on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Congressman. I'm glad to have you speaking out as forcefully as you are. I've had Jim Jordan on the air twice this week, uh, responding to this. Um, you know, Kevin McCarthy issued a very strong statement that he's had enough of this, and he's telling uh, Merrick Garland, "Clear your calendar and save your documents because we're coming for oversight." Outside of you guys, though. Has the overall GOP response been strong enough to this unprecedented uh, attack and intimidation uh, and an attempt to smear a former president? Because I mean, a lot of people don't think the GOP is doing enough. Well, look, I think I'm impressed with the House GOP leadership. We've spoken broadly with one voice. Uh, we've seen forceful statements from members across the political spectrum, and I hope we stay united in that. Uh, I hope that when we come into town Friday, we have a press conference that, frankly, every member attends and says, this is this is nonsense. We demand answers. And frankly, we need to make part of our commitment to America that when we do get the ability to actually use the power of Congress, uh, that we will. And in the meantime, we'll use our voices to call it out as, uh, you know, you know, just wrong, fundamentally wrong uh, to see uh, our Department of Justice tainted with the perception, if not the reality, of being weaponized against uh, political ideology, uh, it, which is really against the American people at the end of the day. I mean, they're, they're out there voting and sending people like Donald Trump, people like uh, Jim Jordan, people like, you know, Scott Perry from the Freedom Caucus, because they want us to be fighting for them, to be defending freedom and their principles that are protected by our Constitution, that are being shredded by these agencies. Uh, and so, you know, I think we get lots of reinforcements that keep fighting for us, keep fighting a good fight. Uh, so we have to keep that momentum. But I, I do hope that we get joined by more voices in the Senate because it's been disparaging to see, uh, you know, some of the comments that are so weak out of some of the senators, frankly. So I hope we see more senators speak with a louder, more unified voice that lines up with what we're seeing out of the House of Representatives. I completely concur. We're talking with Congressman Warren Davidson this morning, reacting to the raid, reacting to the latest news that a subpoena was issued to President Trump for these documents or several documents back in the spring, completely complied with, uh, cooperated with on June 3rd. Uh, there is no need whatsoever for anything more than another subpoena. This was completely over the top, and I'm glad to hear you saying this. I want to talk more about targeting, because you're right. It is targeting the American people, and there is simply no other way to explain the 87,000 new FBI agents that are going to be funded by this bill that you guys are going to vote on tomorrow. Um, you know, uh, and in fact, I believe the uh, the House GOP or or it's some 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 body of the GOP has has done the numbers and found that some 710,000 of the new 1.2 million audits that will be done annually with this new IRS force will be done of people making $75,000 a year or less. How can we see this as anything other than targeting of middle-class America, and more specifically, Congressman Davidson, targeting of conservative middle-class Americans, just like they did in 2011 after the Tea Party delivered a huge midterm victory against Barack Obama? Yeah, I'm glad you tied that back to what Lois Lerner and Koskinen were doing with the IRS back then. Because this is, I mean, look, what is 87,000 people? It's five infantry divisions. I mean, so if people don't know, we have 10 infantry divisions in the entire active duty Army. The last time we had five infantry divisions anywhere in the world was the Vietnam War. We've been at war in a lot of places since then. We haven't had five infantry divisions 
engaged in combat, you've got five infantry divisions. They're not aimed at, at 700 billionaires. They're aimed at the American people, and more precisely, as you say, who are they going to be aimed at? They're going to be aimed at the nonprofits, the support structure, or the conservative movement in America. And you've already got 10, 10 or more whistleblowers coming, not to the majority party in Congress, but to the minority party, saying the FBI is being used and told to categorize basic crimes as domestic terrorist threats uh, because they want to further politicize the FBI and every tool in the kit bag. This is a this is a this is a police state style tactic um, from Democratic leadership. The leaders of the far left movement in our country uh, are, are trying to use every tool in their uh, arsenal to go after uh, political speech. They're not going after the real enemies of our country. They're not focused on stopping China. They were upset about Nancy Pelosi even bucking the trend to even stop in Taiwan. They are they are not focused on actual enemies of our country. They're focused domestically on political power. Yeah, yeah. Well, the FBI targeting or being asked to target by the National School Boards Association parents who come in and are too loud or too harassing or too intimidating, in their words, at school board meetings, to treat them as domestic terrorists, check, uh, go after, you know, and, and this this part about the IRS, again, we've seen it before. Any group that had Patriot or 912 Project or Tea Party or things like that in their name, we're singled out for uh, for harassment and for delays and for denials of tax-exempt status back in 2011. And now I hear people, Congressman, my, my listeners, telling me they're going to delete their social media accounts because they don't want to have their names associated with being Trump supporters on Facebook or on Twitter or wherever because they know that the IRS is going to specifically look for political enemies to target and to silence. So their their people are going to close their accounts feeling like I can't speak freely here because I know they're coming for me if I do. That is just, I mean, we are, we're talking about more than just third world banana republic stuff here. We're talking about full on fascism. Yeah, I mean, if you look, uh, the Frankfurt School of Marxists, Gramsci scholars, the people leading the far left movement in America since, at least since the 60s, uh, it, it, they, this critical theory, uh, it, and people heard critical theory related to race, that's just one variation. It uses race as a way to divide America and tear it down. And never offer a salute, offer a solution for the country. It's always how to tear it down, to deconstruct it, became, as Barack Obama campaigned in 2008. They would want to fundamentally remake America. And don't forget that where did this happen? It happened first in Ohio. Lois Lerner was Cincinnati-based. They were targeting Tea Party groups in Westchester, Ohio, Cincinnati area. And that's the way the audits have gone. There, there, there's a showing that uh, the audits are already being targeted more to, to red areas in the country than blue areas in the country. And, and when you look at it, people say, oh, well, but that's because Republicans have all the money. If you look at Republicans in Congress, if you look at Republicans in Congress, the top 100 wealthiest districts in the country, 74 of them are represented by Democrats. If you look at the poorest 100 counties in America, it's 51-49, with 51 of them being represented by Democrats. Every one of the Democrat districts is represented by a black caucus or Congressional Hispanic Caucus member, and the Republican members in the poorest districts in the country are overwhelmingly House Freedom Caucus, Republican Study Committee, conservatives. Uh, they are not targeting, they are not targeting uh, hedge fund billionaires with mm-hmm. these 87,000 agents. They're going after political thought and political speech, and it just reinforces what they're already trying to do. 
silence opposition. Congressman Davidson, last thing before, and I hate to jump the gun before we win back the House, uh, but assuming we win back the House, and God willing, take the Senate as well, um, what are your thoughts on the Holman rule that everybody's talking about now, a way to undo the damage, to specifically uh, put forth a bill that would... uh, uh, that would allow the Congress to essentially defund one particular branch or element of the government, and in this case, the new 87,000 IRS agents. Thoughts on that? I'm so energized to hear you talking about it, and we need everyone in America to be demanding that this is part of the House rules package. It was when Republicans had the majority. We didn't really make use of it when we had the House, the Senate, the presidency, but we should have. Uh, we have to restore that to the rules package. Uh, the House Freedom Caucus just laid out the idea that we should change the rules. Now, this is inside baseball. It's going to go past a lot of people, but maybe the folks that are listening to your show and shows like it around the country are going to put pressure on their members. You've got to support the Freedom Caucus rules package, and we can't just make it the Freedom Caucus rules package. Regular members need to have a bigger voice in the governance of our Congress. No one sends their member of Congress to go there and follow orders. They want them to fight for them in their districts. And if we do that across America, we're going to take back the House, we're going to take back our country, and we're going to save America. That is exactly what has to happen, and uh, I'm really, really, really glad to have you there uh, helping to lead the fight uh, because it, it is that important. Uh, Congressman uh, Warren Davidson representing Ohio 8, uh, really appreciate you coming on. I really appreciate the work that you're doing, and uh, hopefully we can check back in with you as we, uh, as we check on the progress of all of this. Anytime. Thanks for what you do, and God bless you and all your listeners. And to you, sir. Thank you. 956, Always Right Radio on AM 1420, The Answer. Right back. You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. We'll preserve for our children this, the last best hope of man on earth, or we'll sentence them to take the last step into a thousand years of darkness. Always Right Radio with Bob Frantz on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two underway now, nine minutes past 10 o'clock. If you missed the interview I just did with Warren Davidson, congressman from Ohio 8, um, you missed a good one. Uh, he's, he's strong, very strong. His comments were strong. His rationale was strong. His reasoning, his logic, his explanation, his plans for the future, if and when uh, the Republicans take back over in uh, in November. Uh, that was an excellent, excellent conversation. I say that not to be braggadocious. It wasn't me. It was him. All right. If you missed it, you're going to need to catch it. And uh, we'll upload it uh, at alwayswrite.us as soon as we can, alwayswrite.us. Don't try to listen to it during the show because then you're going to miss the show. But by the end of the show, you should be able to tune in and uh, or go to the uh, 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 to the podcast page and listen to that. So that was terrific. Thank you to Congressman Davidson. Uh, speaking of Congressman, we're going to talk to Troy Nels coming up in about a half an hour. Texas, former Texas uh, sheriff in, I believe, is Harris County, and uh, now, of course, a member of Congress. He has uh, strong reactions to what happened on Monday, and he has strong reactions to what they're going to vote on tomorrow as well, which, of course, is the uh, Inflation Production Act. Not reduction, but production act uh, that is going to uh, target all Americans with 87,000 new IRS agents, among other things. So Troy Nels is coming up. 
And right here in between is, is of course, our regular Wednesday commentator and uh, lead general in fighting the culture wars, Dr. Everett Piper. Dr. Piper, former university president. Uh, he is a uh, podcast-slash-radio host in Oklahoma. Check out his podcast wherever you get your podcasts. It's called The Rebellion. He is a weekly columnist for The Washington Times, best-selling author as well. Dr. Piper, good to have you back. How are you, sir? Doing great, Bob. Thanks for having me on. Okay, Dr. Piper, we got to dive in because we got three very important topics here. And I'm going to go a little out of order. Normally, I would go start with your column, as we always do. And you wrote a terrific piece, which I have linked to uh, uh, the webpage um, uh, from the Washington Times about uh, Ron DeSantis. And your call, you make a strong case for Ron DeSantis as being... The choice, the standard bearer for the conservative movement in this country to perhaps be the uh, uh, nominee for the GOP in 2024 and win the presidency. And, of course, I concur. I think there are so many things to love about Ron DeSantis. But i got to tell you, this is why I want to start with it. If Donald Trump continues to scare the bejeebers out of the left so badly that they will continue to take these unprecedented steps to try to force him out and not be eligible for running for office again. After what they did to him with the collusion investigation, after they spied on him, after they got phony uh, bogus warrants from a, from a FISA court, everything that was done to him, after not one but two bogus impeachments, uh, after the January 6th committee, and now this, the unprecedented raid of his home looking for quote-unquote National Archive documents that they already subpoenaed him for in the spring and that he completely complied with on June 3rd. Dr. Piper, if they are still going to do everything they can to tear this man down, then part of me just says, that's the man for the job. If they hate him that much, that's who I want. Your thoughts, sir? I'm more cynical than that, Bob. I I actually think this is a play by the left to continue to tarnish Donald Trump, keep him in the news, mm-hmm. continue to throw all of this deception, all of this deceit, all of this garbage at him and get some of it to stick, at least in the minds of 50 percent or thereabout of the American public and there and thereby position him to run again. I think they want to run against Donald Trump. I really do. Um, my wife and I were talking about this. I think. I think the left is nothing's nothing's coincidence. Uh, they're not stumbling backwards into this particular political season. They know what they're doing. They're trying to tarnish the front runner, which is Donald Trump. When you look at CPAC polls and other all other polls, even though I support Ron DeSantis, he's not polling as well right now as Donald Trump. So who can they beat? Can they beat Ron DeSantis? I don't think so. I don't think the left has a snowball's chance in Texas of beating Ron DeSantis. Can they possibly beat Donald Trump? Well, if they keep throwing all of this garbage at him and they get some of it to stick in the minds of the American people and they get the most polarizing candidate possible uh, as a nominee for the Republican Party, I think they want it. Will it prevail? Will they win? Well, the data shows right now that Donald Trump would still win the election. When you look at Rasmussen and you look at some of the other polls, mm-hmm. but you know politics—the uh, the life of the political news season—is very short-lived, and the memory is very short in the minds of many people. So I don't know. I don't know, Bob. I'm more cynical. I think the left is playing this game intentionally, and I think they're trying to prop Donald Trump up so that he does win, and he would be the most damaged candidate possible when that happens. Uh, now, I, when I, I, I say win, go ahead. 
you mean the primary i I get it and and i don't um i don't disagree with what you're saying um fully i i mean i think there's there's room for that i don't know if it's necessarily 100 percent true but i think there's room for what you just argued certainly um but here's my thought too um while I agree with you that they could not beat Ron DeSantis because he is a phenomenal presence and his record will inspire and his his record and his rhetoric will all inspire conservatives everywhere and I think it would be a huge 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 um, uh, feather in our cap to put him as the standard bearer against the Democrat and I believe he would win. However, according to poll after poll after poll after poll of just Republicans, it continues to be Donald Trump by a large margin. So if we accept those polls as being indicative of the mood of the country, and I think now that what has happened here, you're right, they are inspiring people even more so to come over to President Trump's side, um, I think he's going to win the primary. I think he is going to be, if, and I think Ron DeSantis probably knows that too, and may not even run because he knows he's running up against a juggernaut in the Republican primary ranks, and that is, you know, those who feel like President Trump was screwed out of his uh, second term and deserves his second term now. I think he knows he would lose. And so I, I kind of wonder if we shouldn't just start rallying this, the, you know, circling the wagons around President Trump and doing whatever it takes. If we accept that he is going to win the primary to make sure that it's not a, you know, consolation prize when we end up having to say we really wanted DeSantis, but now we'll take Trump. Well, uh, you and I agree with 99 percent and I agree with 99 percent of what you just said. However, I do think competition is healthy. Okay. Um, and I think a, a competitive primary is more helpful to the Republican Party rather than harmful. So let's just say it comes down to I'll just let's just say it's Nikki Haley, um, uh, uh, DeSantis and Trump. I, I don't know why I said Nikki Haley, but she seems to be posturing as if she wants to run. Based How about Christy? No, How about Christy? No, maybe as a to sub okay. in for All Haley right. there. OK. <laughs> All right. Well, let, let's put her in there, too. OK, so we've got three three candidates that are attractive to a, a, a portion of the Republican constituency across the United States. I think that's healthy. I think that competition would do us well. I think it would show the American people that we've got better ideas and we're willing to debate those ideas because that's what conservatives do. We don't shut people down. We would show that we do not have TDS. We do not have Trump derangement syndrome. In fact, we as conservatives are willing to discuss the strengths and weaknesses of Donald Trump. And therefore, we're going to have a competitive primary and we're going to let the entire American voting population see what our ideas are. I think that's healthy and I think that would position us for a strong general election. I think the, a perfunctory uh, um, coronation of Donald Trump as king would be unhealthy for who we are as a people. And I think we're going to scare a lot of the young voters away if we do that. I think Matt Walsh was spot on when he tweeted a week or so ago that we need to recognize that, yes, Donald Trump does embolden the disenfranchised, the blue-collar worker, the the former Democrat in my neck of the woods out here in Oklahoma that's sick and tired of being disrespected by the elitists in our nation. Those folks are eager to support Donald Trump, but I would argue they're likewise eager to support a younger candidate that has the same spine, same courage, same convictions, but perhaps is a little bit more polished and nuanced in his ability to navigate some of these political waters. And same so platform. And same platform, moreover. He's America first also. Yeah. I mean, he kind of agrees with everything Trump did and would continue the same policies. That's important. Yes, I agree. So, and here's, I want to say this before we get off of this DeSantis-Trump comparison. I really, uh, if anybody's listening right now and they want to go after me for being uh, anti-Trump, stop. 
please stop. Conservatives debate. Conservatives exchange ideas. Conservatives recognize that the truth wins. Conservatives don't have TDS. We don't go into Trump deranged syndrome and shut down a contrary voice just because we don't like what they said about Trump. Uh, Matt Walsh is not an anti-Trumper. Ben Shapiro is not not an anti-Trumper. Even Glenn Beck, has he's not anti-Trumper, even though he's been maligned as being that because he was critical of Trump during the first election season. So was I. I don't know where you were, Bob. And frankly, I don't care because I respect your ability to debate the strengths and weaknesses of this man as well as others. And that's what conservatives do. Yeah, you know, the, the the thing for me is, I, I was very much pro-Ted Cruz in the first time around, uh, and, and I was very much anti-Donald Trump to win that nomination, but the moment he became the nominee, I became his biggest cheerleader because the alternative was Hillary Clinton. He so far exceeded any expectations I could ever have had for him in those four years. I was blown away. And now, if he wins the nomination again, I will be, again, his biggest cheerleader for all of those same reasons. Having said all of that, though, my fear when it comes to this, uh, you know, potential primary showdown with Ron DeSantis is that Donald Trump will go Donald Trump again. And what I mean by that is try to destroy Ron DeSantis, try to destroy his career. The same type of, of, uh, attacks that he did on Ted Cruz and Ted Cruz's family and Ted Cruz's wife and Ted Cruz's father and, uh, you know, Jeb Bush to a different kind of a degree. He kind of deserved it most of the time. But you understand the point. He, you know, Marco Rubio, he, he, he personalizes everything so much. It just savages his opponents, uh, even if they're on the same side. And, um, I think that would be damaging for Ron DeSantis going forward. That's one of the reasons why I don't know. If I want to see the two of them in the same primary, I agree with you about healthy competition. But if it ends up damaging a guy who's what? How old is DeSantis? Like 38 or something? He could be a leader for years and years and years to come in this party. Um, if he doesn't end up running against the Trump machine and, uh, and, and Trump doesn't try to steamroll him with, with personal attacks. Well, fair enough, but from what I've seen out of DeSantis, he's nobody's patsy, and he's he's <laughs> capable of going nose-to-nose with anybody. And, um, yeah, he's a big boy. If he wants to take on Trump's personality and temperament, then so be it as far as I'm concerned. Right. Um, I just, I, again, I'm going to close with this comment, uh, circle back and say I think competition of ideas is good. I trust the truth to win. That's what conservatives do. And... Um, Bring it on. Bring on the debate. And I don't apologize for no, no thanking you. Donald Trump when he's right, but yet criticizing him when he's wrong. And I think that would give us an opportunity to vet these candidates in a more, in a, in a more um, thorough and healthier way. Yeah, no, I, I concur with that. Dr. Piper, I want to dive into this before we even take our break here, because um, uh, this will really put the wraps on this. Is What the left has done over the last 72 hours is simply remarkable as they continue to, um, to use the line. Obviously they coordinate just like they did when, when the gas prices were spiking over $5. Putin price hike was the line that they all agreed to use and they all used it in their tweets and their messages and on TV. And the response to the Trump uh, Mar-a-Lago raid is uh, no one is above the law. No one is above the law. That's their new thing and they all say it. It's driving me nuts. It's driving our guests nuts. It's driving my listeners nuts. And I know from my texting with you last night, it's driving you nuts. Give us that response. Okay. Uh, above the, no one's above the law. I agree. John Adams is responsible for actually setting the context for that particular statement, drawing upon it from Aristotle. No one's above the law. 
Nobody should be above the law within a constitutional republic. That's part of the definition of a constitutional republic. Um, but really, really, <laughs> we're going to have Merrick Garland lecture us or anybody from the Democrat Party lecture us on nobody being above the law. How about Lois Lerner? Was she above the law when she targeted the opposition party with using the IRS to do so? <laughs> and, she, and then she retired with full pension. Was she above the law? How about uh, Susan Rice when she denied leaking intelligent information and then turned around and had to admit that she did leak the intelligence, intelligence information when she was caught with emails uh, proving that she had done so? Was she above the law? And how about her lying and deception and her um, contempt of Congress when she lied about Benghazi? Was she above the law? How about Hillary Clinton? Because I, I, I do the words, uh, let's see, what was it, uh, bleach bit? Bleach bit and destroying hammers, destroying evidence, okay? Basically, ignoring a congressional subpoena and destroying evidence that the Congress had subpoenaed. Was that above the law? How about Bill Clinton? I never had sex with that woman. How about Hunter Biden? Drug abuse, prostitution, money laundering. How about the big guy who's complicit in all of the above with Hunter Biden? How about Gavin Newsom when he orchestrated gay marriages before gay marriages were legal in San Francisco? How about ignoring his own COVID laws when he went to the French Laundry for dinner? A thousand bucks, twelve hundred bucks, whatever it was. I don't remember. How about Pelosi's husband? DUI. Is he above the law? How about all of the attorney generals? And state attorneys and district attorneys who have said they're going to defy the law, like this guy, Andrew Warren in Florida, that DeSantis has just removed because as a district attorney, he said he's not going to enforce the law. Is he above the law? How about Planned Parenthood selling human body parts? How about sanctuary cities for illegal immigrants? Are they above the law? How about John, all the Johns in Epstein's Black Book? Are they above the law? Sex with minors? Statutory rape? How about Black Lives Matter? Rioting, looting, insurrection. If anything is an insurrection, shouting, we'll burn it down and destroying car dealerships and businesses and government buildings might be in that particular box of a definition. How about, I could go on and on and on. Kent cities in L.A. and D.C. and Portland, anti-vagrancy laws? Are they above the law? How about teachers in schools across the nation, child porn, genderqueer, flamer? Uh, are, are they going to be prosecuted for violating child pornography laws? We could go on and on and on, Bob. Don't lecture me about being above. Uh-oh. Did we lose him? I, I think we may have lost him. I think we may have. Oh, there you are. Dr. Piper, can you hear us? Did I lose you? Yeah, yeah lose right, you? right at the oh, end. Yeah. Right, right at the end when you started to say, don't lecture me about, and that's where your phone cut uh, or your connection cut. Okay. Um, but but you got the meat of it in there, and that was phenomenal because every single one of those examples you gave is, is spot on. These are people that are that are viewed, illegal immigrants, all the way up to some of these individuals in, in power who literally flout the law, and they, they know no one is coming for them, and no one is going to do anything about it, for goodness sakes. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned the attorneys general and the uh, prosecutors and so on and so forth who are uh, refusing to uphold the law. They are literally declaring that there are criminals breaking the law in the streets, and then they're letting them out on no cash bond and then not charging them. Judges are kicking charges for violent, felonious criminals uh, and, uh, and, and, you know, essentially saying, well, these people are going to be above the law. Because, you know, equity says we can't lock too many people up who look like one, one, one thing or another. Therefore, uh, we're going to let them, we're going to let them go and not apply the law here. So they are literally 
putting people above the law or beyond the law or out of the reach of the law or whatever it is you want to call it all over this country for them to now claim that the laws apply to everybody, including former presidents, in order to try to smear Donald Trump is just so disingenuous it makes me sick. Oh, and I agree. And, hey, if Donald Trump has, has violated the law, then so be it. Go after him. But prove your case and then do it consistently. I mean, Eric Holder, I could go on and on. So could you. We could do a whole about him. hour. Oh, my land. It's crazy. It's, it's hypocritical to the extreme to take to the public platform, the podium, and lecture us. Use your bully pulpit to tell us that no one's above the law. My land. This Eric- is just Eric Holder was found to be in contempt of Congress, and absolutely yes. nothing happened. Steve Bannon is found to be in contempt of Congress, is facing two, two, two years in jail. Again, the yeah. application of the law, the application of the rules is so uh, hypocritical and so so much of a double standard, it's really, really hard to even put into words. But but you did a, did a phenomenal job of that. Dr. Piper, we didn't even take our break, so we're going to have to wrap a little bit early here, but I really appreciate you coming on. Your article in uh, favor of Ron DeSantis as the leader that America needs is linked to my webpage now at uh, uh, alwaysright.us. I also sent it out on my Truth Social account. Uh, so if you're following me on Truth Social at uh, alwaysright.us, UHK, you can find that there. But read uh, in depth Dr. Piper's uh, analysis of why Ron DeSantis is the guy that we really, really need going forward. And Dr. Piper, I always appreciate uh, the opportunity to speak with you, and we'll do it again next week. All right, blessings. Take care. Thank Bye-bye. you, sir. 1028, so we're going to get out now. We'll get to the news, and then on the other side, we continue. Uh, Congressman Troy Nels from Texas, former sheriff, understands law enforcement. We'll find out what it means to be above the law when we talk to him about the raid and about the, uh, the targeting of American citizens by the American left and the weaponization of our agency. So Troy Nels will join us coming up. Always right radio. No more. I'm a fool to do your dirty work. Oh, yeah. In the age of unreason, always write radio with Bob France and the answer. 1038 now, we continue on Always Write Radio, AM 1420, the answer. Thanks again to Dr. Everett Piper. Uh, Dr. Piper, of course, of course, joins us each week from Oklahoma, which is just slightly north of uh, where we're headed now. And that is to Texas, uh, as we welcome Congressman Troy Nels to the program. Congressman Nels is the former sheriff of uh, Fort Bend County in Texas. He represents Texas's 22nd con- congressional district now. And actually, maybe I should change that. Congressman, are you in Texas or are you in D.C. for tomorrow's big vote? I'm in Texas right now, but I catch a flight this afternoon, head up to the swamp where I will be voting a hard <laughs> no on the Inflation Reduction Act. What a joke. Just put... Billions and billions of more dollars is dead on the American people. Shameful. Shameful, Bob. It is, uh, it is that. It is all of that. Uh, I, I've been calling it the Inflation Production Act, actually, because I think it's going to produce more. And in fact, most co- economists have said the same thing. But that's secondary for the moment, uh, Congressman Ells. I, wa- I do want to talk about that, and I want to talk about the IRS uh, uh, weaponization as well. But I want to talk about President Trump first. You have a new book out. It's called The Big Fraud, What Democrats Don't Want You to Know About January 6th, the 2020 election, and a whole lot else. Now we can add to that what they probably don't want you to know about Mar-a-Lago and the raid on the former president's home on Monday. 
We found out today, or at least I found out this morning, that there was a subpoena that President Trump received back in the spring requesting documents for the National Archives, belonging to the National Archives, as it was worded. And that on January, or excuse me, on June 3rd, President Trump and his attorneys cooperated fully, greeting them as they came to Mar-a-Lago. They gave them everything that they wanted. They let them see anything that they wanted, including his personal storage locker. And all of this was done by a simple subpoena, and everything was, was, was just fine. So Congressman Nels, if they know that the president cooperates with subpoenas, why did they have to go in there with 40 FBI agents, a big rider truck, and spend nine and a half hours raiding his compound in an unprecedented move against a potential political opponent? Well, what we do know is the Trump family, the Trump uh, organization, has been cooperating to make sure that if there are any documents, that need to be in the archives, that they will work with the DOJ and produce those documents. But this is more than just about the documents. I think there's connections with January 6th. I think there's connections with DOJ, the FBI. Listen, they do not want, Joe Biden knows it, the Democrats know it, they do not want to have to face Donald Trump in 2024. So they're going to get this liberal judge who was a big supporter of Obama. They get a little probable cause. They find a pickup pal, so they found the liberal judge to approve the warrant, and then they go into Mar-a-Lago. They're looking for more than just a few documents and a few boxes. They were looking for anything, anything they could find to tie Trump to some type of a criminal violation of law so they can get a federal indictment, right, to get a federal indictment and try to prevent him from coming back in 2024. It's not going to work, folks. Trump's coming back with a vengeance. Yeah, I completely agree. That is, um, you know, what was obvious to me because of what they did to Scott Perry on Tuesday. They go into Mar-a-Lago. They take all of these documents, they boxes and boxes of things. They don't look through them on the premises to see if it's something they need. They just take those uh, those items, and then the next day they seize the phone, also with a warrant, of Scott Perry, the chair of the uh, Freedom Caucus. And so it makes it, and he, of course, was one of the very first targets of the January 6th unselect committee. So it, it would be just too coincidental that they go into Trump's home looking for Lord knows what one day before seizing the phone of a guy that they've already targeted for January 6th. It's pretty coincidental if they're not looking for something specific that they can char- indict or charge him with related to the quote unquote insurrection that has them so preoccupied. That's right. They're in the fourth quarter. The Democrats realize that, you know what, we're just a couple years away from the presidential election. They've tried to destroy Trump over the past five years, if not longer, in in Russia collusion, the hoax then, and impeachment one, impeachment two. And and Donald Trump is Teflon, man. Everything bounces off him. So he's not sweating this. He's not worried about this. He's prepared. He's had the Democrats coming after him for the past five years because they want to keep him off the ballot. But they're in the fourth quarter. They're realizing once Donald Trump makes that announcement, he's running for president, it's going to be a little bit too late, because the American people are smarter than that. They're smarter than that. When Donald Trump announces he's running for president, he's the leader of our party, no question about it. He will be the Republican nominee, and he'll be the 47th president. And it scares the hell out of them, Bob. It scares them to death. They do not want to deal with Donald Trump in 2024. Because he will annihilate them all, whether it's Sleepy Joe, Kamala. Hell, they're thinking about Mayor Pete in that race, too. Uh, Donald Trump will take them all on, and he'll beat them. 
Uh, we're talking with uh, Congressman Troy Nels from Texas, uh, Texas's 22nd congressional district, also a former sheriff down in the uh, Lone Star State. Um, you know, you're, you're right. I completely concurred that they're terrified of him because there, there's no other way to describe um, uh, an organization, and I'm talking about the DNC, and I'm talking about all of their uh, supporters and all of their minions, to, to engage in the collusion hoax, to engage in bogus impeachment number one, bogus impeachment number two, then January 6th, which they continue with right now, and now this, it just, it just, it symbolizes that they are terrified of him and they have to take him out in some way, shape, or form before he can win re-election and then bring hell and rain hell down upon them. Not in an act of vengeance, Congressman Nels, but in an act of oversight and truly cleansing. And I don't want to overuse the phrase drain the swamp, but I mean truly bring accountability to those who are who are using our, our government in such corrupt ways and that's all you can call this is corruption absolutely and that's what this administration they've done uh to the doj to the fbi shame on all of them garland i mean he is just he's got to go uh christopher ray and these others they have weaponized these these alphabet suit these these organizations the fbi and others to go after uh, a political uh, opponent and people that have a dissenting point of view. They've been after Donald Trump, as I said earlier, for years. And look at that Russia collusion. And the sad part about it is there's a two-tier justice system. There's Donald Trump and certain Republicans that are guilty until proven innocent. And nobody's looking at Hunter. Could you imagine, Bob, if Hunter's last name was Trump? Oh, my goodness gracious. Every day, every morning you would have your coffee and every dinner when you're having your glass of wine, they would have up on the fake news and the dishonest media, Donald Trump is compromised, his family's compromised, his son's a crackhead, he's got, he's got prostitutes in, a, in the room, all that other stuff. But they cover for this administration. It is so shameful, so hypocritical, this administration and this dishonest media. But Donald Trump's coming back. Bob, I was with him the other day up there in Bedminster. We had a little meeting with him, and he's pumped up, he's excited, and he's ready for battle. So am I. Um, Congressman Troy Nels is our guest. His new book is called The Big Fraud, What Democrats Don't Want You to Know About January 6th, the 2020 Election, and a Whole Lot Else. I want to ask you a question about a whole lot else that I'm interested in, only because you just brought up Hunter Biden. You know, I, I'm, I'm watching this terrible, terrible atrocity take place in Ukraine. I, of course, oppose Vladimir Putin, and I oppose the Russians, and I oppose their incursion into Ukraine and their attempt to destroy that country and stop NATO expansion and all of the other things that we know that it's all about. But Biden and the Democrats are spearheading this hundreds of billions of dollars collectively uh, going to, in fact, I don't know if it's over a trillion dollars or where the number is, but going to Ukraine. I cannot help but wonder if... Hunter Biden's millions of dollars that he made on the board of Burisma, that Ukrainian energy company, to do nothing because he didn't speak Ukrainian and he knew nothing about energy. He had absolutely no business being on that board whatsoever, but they paid him millions of dollars. And and I think everybody agreed the reason was to get access to the uh, to the. Um, Obama White House through Vice President Joe Biden. I'm wondering if Biden isn't sending them all of this money that they want, which may not be in the best interest of the United States, despite our opposition to Putin, to keep the Ukrainians from from blowing the whistle on what they know about Hunter Biden and his dealings with them. What are your thoughts on that? You know, Bob, that very well could be. But I, I do know this. I was one of 57 
57 that mm-hmm. voted against sending Ukraine tens of billions of dollars. I think it was, the first bill we had was like over $40 billion. I'm like, why are we sending Ukraine $40 billion? You know, you want to talk about uh, an unsecure border, you know, Russia at their border going into Ukraine. I'm thinking about what, what about our own southern border? How come we're not putting the American people first? So I was one of 57 that voted against it because this administration, there is no exit strategy as it re- relates to Ukraine. And I'll guarantee you this, we're going to end up rebuilding that country. And Zelensky, you know, he came out strong like he's just a great Superman. He's a he's a hero over there, this and that. But I'm kind of getting concerned about him because he's out there talking and doing doing photo shoots with Vogue. You're at war, sir. You are losing troops in the Ukrainian army and you're doing pictures and photo shoots with Vogue? magazine come on so i'm starting to question uh uh president Zelensky. but we do know that under donald trump putin never went into ukraine putin went into ukraine under obama when he went into crimea in 2014 and took over crimea and then putin goes back in under this spineless leader we have uh because of joe biden because he exploits weakness we didn't have that under donald trump Thank you, by the way, for the correction. I, I, I do not want to be guilty of what Democrats do, and that's hyperbole and exaggeration. I literally said hundreds of billions, and I was wrong. It is, uh, I think, so far the latest number I saw was a total of about $54 billion have been sent by the United States to Ukraine. That's the latest number that I have. So, uh, so I'm going to be accurate on that's that. Right, but, but still, uh, you know, again, the question remains, why are they so willing to do that? And as you say, they're going to pay for the rebuild as well. And I feel like there are some, there's some backdoor deals going on there because of Hunter's association with Ukraine and Burisma. Now, having said that, let's talk about one of the elements of your book, and it's the first part in the title, which is January 6th. You've watched this whole, you know, dog and pony show, this kabuki theater, do call it what you want to call it, this uh, this clown show that they have been running. Congressman, I call it um, the first trial in American history in which there were nine prosecutors and zero defense attorneys that were allowed to speak, because that's what this has been. Now, you they put it on primetime television. They've produced it. They literally hired ABC News executives to make this TV friendly so that everybody can get a, get a look at this and everybody can see how evil Donald Trump was in orchestrating an insurrection. Now, you wrote about it in the book. What do you have to say? Well, that's exactly right. I mean, I was one of the five uh, that Leader McCarthy picked to be on that select committee. You know, the majority, Nancy got eight, and and Kevin McCarthy was going to get five. He chose me to be one of the five, the only freshman that would have been on that committee, uh, and and I would have been honored to do it. I I have done a a great deal of research into January 6th, which was really nothing more than a law enforcement failure, but I detail a lot of this in two chapters of my book. Uh, but, but January 6th could have been prevented. Uh, the, the intelligence community within the leadership of the Capitol Police that had all the intelligence. The FBI was sending messages. We all knew that it was going to get to be a very, very ugly situation, and they did nothing to stop it. They did nothing to prevent it. They, 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 uh, they, it's like they allowed it to happen, a peaceful protest, which Donald Trump said in his speech at the U.S., let's peacefully march up to the Capitol, turned into a riot. Because you got the FBI involved, and there were there were Antifa, and there were others there, and and that's what the Antifa does. They get some of those agitators in there, and they just turn a peaceful pro, a peaceful a protest into a riot, like they did in the summer of 2020. And so I, I highlight a lot of this in the book. But January 6th, folks, was a law enforcement failure. It should have never happened. It was delays with the National Guard, and everybody wants to blame Trump. It's not working, folks. It's not working. 
But Trump's endorsed the book because he realizes that this is really the first real, true, objective point of view on the counter-narrative of the sham committee. And that's why he's proud to, to endorse the book, support the book, and it's going to get up on social media on his uh, True Social tomorrow. He's excited, and so am I. That's terrific. Congratulations on that. We're talking to Congressman Troy Nels from Texas. Um, you know, when the second part of that, of course, is the 2020 election. And everybody has talked about this, uh, you know, until they're blue in the face about the fraud. And we have seen 2,000 mules. And we have seen all kinds of evidence in different states that could have been the difference maker. And yet the response from the left is bogus. You're crying and, and, and inventing things because guess what? You were defeated 60 plus times in court. Every time they challenged, uh, that there was fraud in this election, it was defeated in court. Now, I know that's not the truth because so many of these courts refuse to, to even hear the cases because of standing, but they claim that 60 times plus, uh, Trump's claims of a fraudulent 2020 election were proven wrong by courts of law. How do you address that in the book, Congressman? Well, what, what I do know is this, is that there were several states, and you look at some of the swing states, the, the Pennsylvanias, obviously the Georgias, the Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona. I objected to Arizona and Pennsylvania. And when you take a deeper dive into that, you look at Pennsylvania, and that Supreme Court said, oh, we're going to, uh, we'll count ballots three days after, uh, after uh, the November 3rd election. And what that did is when you start counting ballots, and there is a history, of voter fraud and absentee and mail-in ballots. And it was just so quite clear. It was so evident. But what these liberal governors and mayors and even county clerks and all these people did is they did it under the name of COVID with the emergency declaration. Wisconsin, look at Governor Evers. Governor Evers, his safer at home policy was, he said that everybody can just get a ballot by mail. And, and if, if you say you're indefinitely confined, we don't worry about signature verifications or pictures. They got 1.3 million, 1.3 million absentee and mail-in ballots, and they rejected two-tenths of one percent, not even 3,000 of the 1.3 million ballot by mail in the state of Wisconsin. Joe Biden gets 20 more thousand votes in that entire state. There was fraud, folks. The election was rigged in the name of COVID. So... So, so let me let me fast forward now because we're a little short on time here, Congressman Troy Nels. Let's fast forward to November. We're roughly ninety days out. There are a lot of people who feel like this is going to be repeated, and I know some states have Wisconsin shored up their election integrity laws. They banned the drop boxes. I know some other states have done some things too, but there are a lot of people who believe that the Democrats know. The fix is in in November again. Otherwise, how would they justify ticking off millions and millions of Americans by hiring 87,000 IRS agents to climb up everybody's behinds, uh, uh, passing a $700 billion, $740 billion tax and spend bill during a recession while we're dealing with record inflation, while the border is wide open? All of this stuff is going on, and they seem unconcerned. They're doing all of, they're raiding Donald Trump's home 90 days before an election. My wife even asked me, aren't they worried about November? And I thought, you know, they ought to be. And maybe they're not. And maybe Congressman Nell's, the reason they're not is because the same thing that was done in 2020 is in place again. Is that crazy? Well, I, I, yes, we all should be concerned about election integrity with what we saw in the election in 2020. And, Yes, we need to be perked up. Our ears need to be to the ground, our eyes wide open. 
uh, with 2022 and 2024. But I have to tell you that 2022 is going to be a red wave for the Republican Party. Listen, this administration, he's had a what, 30, 33% approval rating. And we know why, Joe Biden, because, number one, look at all the policies and the results of your policies. Our southern border, Ukraine, Afghanistan, inflation, gas. I mean, you could just go on and on and on. And so I think that we're going to have a very successful 2020, uh, 2022 here. We're going to win the House. Not sure about the Senate. But then we have to take care of it. We have to have certainly many, many investigations into the DOJ, the FBI, into Hunter, uh, Nancy, all of it. We need to look at all of it. And, yes, we all should be concerned about our elections and, and make sure that we have fair and secure elections. And uh, I, I think that some states have done better than others as it relates to shoring up the laws and the rules. But mm -hmm. as long as Joe Biden's the president, he's going to claim that now monkeypox is a national emergency. It wouldn't surprise me if they come out and say, everybody, we're going to lock you in your house. We're going to segregate and quarantine uh, and everybody get a ballot by mail. That wouldn't surprise me with this guy. No, me neither, because of all the reasons you just said, all the oversight and all of the investigations, you guys, if you win, are going to are going to facilitate once you take over. They know that, and I feel like they will do anything and everything to stop that, including cheat again, which is why, you know, I agree with you. If, there, if there are free and fair elections here, we will win in a landslide. We will win in a tsunami or whatever phrase you want to use, but I worry about the free and fair election part because we've been burned before. The book is called The Big Fraud, What Democrats Don't Want You to Know About January 6th, the 2020 Election, and a whole lot else. The author is Congressman Troy Nels, working very, very hard on, the, on behalf of the people of Texas and, quite frankly, on behalf of the people of this country. Congressman, I wish you the very best with the book. Thank you very much for your time. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Bob. It's on Amazon. You and I have a mutual friend, Matt Patrick. You and I have spoken before. God yes. bless Matt Patrick. I didn't know if you remembered that. I didn't know if you oh, remembered that we had spoken before, so I didn't. That's why I didn't bring Absolutely. it up. We've spoken on on KTRH down there in Houston, so yeah, yeah, we have. Yes, and uh, and God bless you for that. Thank you for the uh, for the reminder of that too, and we appreciate it. We'll talk to you again, sir. Yes, sir. God bless. Bye bye. That book is that Amazon link, by the way, is on my webpage right now at alwayswrite.us. Alwayswrite.us. You can uh, take a look there, and you'll see that link to Troy Nell's book, and you can order that up. It's ten fifty eight, and we'll be back. You and I know and do not believe that life is so dear and peace so sweet as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery. If nothing in life is worth dying for, when did this begin? Just in the face of this enemy? Or should Moses have told the children of Israel to live in slavery under the pharaohs? Should Christ have refused the cross? Should the patriots at Concord Bridge have thrown down their guns and refused to fire the shot heard round the world? The martyrs of history were not fools. And our honored dead, who gave their lives to stop the advance of the Nazis, didn't die in vain. Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. This is Always Right Radio with Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Hour number three underway now, 10 minutes past 11 o'clock. If you missed any of the interviews that we have conducted already this morning, that's bad on you. 
That's that's a you problem. Seriously, you missed three really, really important interviews, really great interviews. Congressman Warren Davidson joined me in the 9 o'clock hour. Dr. Everett Piper was with us in the 10 o'clock hour. Congressman Troy Nels was also with us in the 10 o'clock hour, and all were phenomenal. A lot of great insight, a lot of wisdom, a lot of analysis, and you missed it. That's your fault. Now, after scolding you for that, I want to try to help you. You can catch up. You still have an opportunity. These interviews will be available on the podcast page at whkradio.com, which is, of course, also linked onto alwayswrite.us. I believe Congressman Davidson's interview will be isolated and separated. will also be posted up shortly on alwayswrite.us. So um, that's uh, that's the bad news and the good news. Bad news, you missed some great stuff. Good news is it is not lost forever. So make sure you tune in and check those out. Also, when you go to alwayswrite.us, don't forget to use the sound off button in the upper right-hand corner of the page. If you've got something to say and we're doing interviews, not taking calls, and you can't wait, if you are, we are taking calls, but you can't wait on hold, whatever the case may be, or if you're listening to the show via podcast at, you know, 7 o'clock in the evening and we're not live and you've got something to say about something you've heard, that's when you click on sound off and you put in your name and then you push record, and then you record your message into your phone or your computer, and then you push send, and it comes directly to me, and then I do this. Hey, Bob, Brian from Cleveland. Love the show. Hey, check it out. Whether you're the president, law enforcement, secret service, or the military, although their oaths may be worded a little bit differently, they all start out with, I state your name, do solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution against all enemies, foreign and domestic. And in the words of Brandon, read that line again. Thanks, man. Love your show. Thank you, Brian and Brunswick. Appreciate that. Uh, you mean re, uh, read the line again, I think it was. Uh, uh, repeat the line. Repeat the line it was. Yeah, it was repeat. I think I have it. Do I have it? I think I may even have it. I have that little gem from the uh, uh, Biden archives here. Let's see. It is noteworthy that the percentage of women who register to vote and cast a ballot is consistently higher than the percentage of the men who do so. End of quote. Repeat the line. Women are not without electoral <laughs> and or political or, or maybe precise, uh-huh. not and or or political power. I shouldn't even find that funny. I should just find it disturbing. Your point, though, is very well taken. And I'll tell you something else. I'm going to combine that message from Brian and Brunswick with a text message I got from a friend who said he's sick and tired of hearing about how the rank and file aren't to blame. The rank and file of the IRS, the rank and file of the FBI. If they know they're breaking the law, if they know they're violating any oath that they may take to uphold the Constitution, if they know that they're doing something wrong, just because their superiors ordered it does not justify it. You can't justify that action. And I agree, everybody who takes that oath... And everybody who swears to to uphold the Constitution and then doesn't do so should be removed from office, and there should be accountability. Or removed from their jobs, and there should be accountability. And if you if you end up having to quit, if you end up having to resign your position in order to avoid doing something that violates that oath, then that's what you do. So I I, I totally understand exactly what he means, and I understand what the, the text messenger that I got means. And that was Charlie, the politically incorrect mechanic in Lakewood. You know, said I'm sick of this rank and file stuff. I concur. It's not just the leadership. The rank and file need to say, no, we can't do that. That's not lawful. We're not doing it. Let me get another one. Morning, Bob. My guess is that Mitch McConnell and Kevin McCarthy knew about this raid and probably gave it their okay. Your thoughts? Stephen in Brexville, my thoughts are that you're probably, no, not probably, that you may be half right. 
Um, I don't think McCarthy. I think the House response to this, the House Republicans' response to this, the outrage and the genuine call for massive oversight and massive investigation if and when they take back the House in uh, November is legit and sincere. I believe that. McConnell's silence, literally. We're day four since the raid, and we haven't heard from Mitch McConnell. He hasn't condemned, he hasn't criticized, he hasn't questioned, he hasn't said we need to know, find out the facts. He hasn't sneezed anywhere near a microphone or camera, and that makes me wonder if he isn't secretly applauding this, happy about this, and whether or not, as you point out, that he may have even known about this in advance. I won't say it and accuse him, but I will say it raises the question. You might be half right. I don't think so much about McCarthy, but McConnell makes me question it. Don't underestimate the reach of the CCP. China can be behind the raid. Think about it. Well, Dan, in Parma, uh, I will say this. Donald Trump was the biggest thorn in the Chinese side that they have faced in the last probably 50 years. Donald Trump is an enemy of the Chinese Communist Party. Donald Trump held them accountable. Donald Trump instituted tariffs on them, completely leveling out what has been a massive trade imbalance with the Chinese. He condemned and publicly called out their actions with respect to the Uyghur Muslims and the concentration camps and the oppression of human rights. Donald Trump was a thorn in the side of the Chinese Communist Party. Joe Biden is a rose that is handed to them. Nancy Pelosi... A, a, a party member and colleague and supporter of Joe Biden declared that the Chinese Communist Party, the, China, the nation of China, is one of the freest societies in the world. Literally. A country that is engaging in modern-day slavery, has concentration camps and death camps, uh, that, that, that welds its people, welds people's doors shuts to keep them uh, locked inside because they may or may not have a virus that they created. She called literally one of the freest societies on the earth. This is how the Democrats treat the Chinese. Donald Trump just confronted the Chinese. And I'm saying all of that to say I wouldn't rule it out. I'm saying all of that to say to Dan and Parma, I wouldn't rule it out if the Chinese had something to do with what is going on here with the continuing uh, persecution of Donald Trump. It's in their best interest that he never be president of the United States again. I think that's a very fair thing to say. Uh, Anthony is in Akron. Anthony, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Go right ahead, sir. All right. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. I have a little theory. I don't necessarily believe it. Uh, I kind of think what we, we what we generally talk about here is what happened here, but just just hear me out for one second. Okay. So, um, President Trump appointed the FBI director that yep. approved this raid. Yes, that's accurate. I see different information about uh, Judge Bruce Reinhardt. I don't think Trump uh, appointed him, but you see some of that online. But uh, I digress. What if? Just by what if? Trump has always been one step ahead. I mean, he's a human being. He makes mistakes. His mouth gets in the way sometimes. But he always is one step ahead, it seems like. Mm-hmm. What if there's something in these boxes that otherwise, if they were to come to light, would be a divisional nightmare of the country? What if the only way to get some of this stuff publicized is to have this raid set up so that it comes to the public eye by force? What if? 
the person that maybe, you know, has some information in these boxes just so happened to get on a plane and probably leave in the country. What if this was all set up by President Trump because he's just smarter than everybody else? I like the the story, um, and I would would like to think that it's plausible, um, but I don't. And and the primary reason why is what we are talking about here, and what they have made very very public is that the only way they could come after any documents or anything else that he may have is if they're classified, because those then belong to the National Archives. Even the president cannot take classified documents away from the White House, away from uh, from you know from the office after he's he's out of office. Um, the only thing he could do would be to declassify those things and say they're not classified anymore. They're they're declassified, so that means I can take whatever I want. Um, but if they are still classified, which they must be in order for the you know archive national uh, archives to to be behind this this request, then it doesn't matter if there was stuff in there that might be compromising to his political enemies. It wouldn't be allowed to be publicized anyway. It would still be classified. And as he is not the president anymore, the only person who could declassify them would be Joe Biden. And Joe Biden, of course, would do no such thing as to declassify uh, documents that make him or his allies look complicit in anything. Does that make sense? That's why you have a talk show host. You're a talk show host, and I'm driving a truck. (laughs) I don't know about that. Thanks, buddy. Thank you. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it, Anthony. I mean, you know, it's it's funny. People like to say Trump is always playing chess. He's playing 4D chess, and it's a great story. And a lot of times he is. A lot of times he's outsmarting the, his opposition and those who are trying to take him down. And he's always got a you know plan B in place and and, and all these other kinds of things. Uh, and I do. I like the story, man. I like the story. I like the idea that we just have a guy who's always one step ahead and who's always a little bit smarter than the other guys. But um, the reality is a little bit different, I think, in most cases, uh, in, including with President Trump. And uh, so, and to me, the the biggest part of the story, you mentioned the judge, the biggest part of this story is the fact that he didn't hide these documents when they subpoenaed them in in June. Earlier this spring, they got a subpoena, and I told the story in the 9 o'clock hour, maybe you weren't, not you, to the caller there, but to anybody. If you weren't listening in the 9 o'clock hour, the breaking news this morning is that there was a grand jury subpoena handed to Donald Trump this past spring. And on June 3rd, he and his team of attorneys complied with it completely, voluntarily cooperated. This is so important that people just need to hear it. And if you missed it in the 9 o'clock hour, let me repeat this. Two months before his home was raided by the FBI, which was, of course, Monday, former President Trump secretly received a grand jury subpoena for classified documents belonging to the National Archives and voluntarily cooperated by turning over responsive evidence, surrendering security surveillance footage, and allowing federal agents and a senior Justice Department lawyer to tour his private storage locker according to a half-dozen people familiar with the incident. While the cooperation was mostly arranged by his lawyers, Trump personally surprised the Department of Justice National Security Division prosecutor and three FBI agents who came to his Mar-a-Lago compound on June 3rd, greeting them as they came to pick up a small number of documents compliant with the subpoena. The subpoena requested any remaining documents Trump possessed with any classification markings even if they involved photos of foreign leaders, correspondence, or memos, mementos, beg your pardon, from his presidency. Secret Service agents were also present and facilitated this visit, according to the officials. Trump signals his, signaled his full cooperation. 
telling the agents and the prosecutor, quote, look, whatever you need, let us know. This is according to two eyewitnesses. The federal team was surprised by the president's invitation and asked for an immediate favor to see the six-foot by ten-foot storage locker where his clothes, shoes, documents, and mementos from his presidency were all stored at the compound. Given Trump's instruction, the president's lawyers complied and allowed the search by the FBI before the entourage left cordially. Now, five days later, the DOJ sent a letter to Trump's lawyer saying, Hey, would you please secure that storage locker with more than just the lock that you had on it originally? The Secret Service then installed a more robust security lock to comply with the request of the DOJ. Around the same time, the Trump Organization, which owns Mar-a-Lago, received a request for surveillance video footage covering that locker and volunteered the footage to the federal authorities. The disclosure from yesterday raises immediate new questions in legal and congressional circles about the necessity for the raid on Monday, including whether the judge who approved the warrant knew of the earlier cooperation. The more we learn, the more confusing this gets, said Jonathan Turley, George Washington University law professor. Did they relay this history to the magistrate? That according to these sources, the president had cooperated. I mean, the idea that he was subject to a subpoena complied with the subpoena, didn't challenge it, voluntarily showed the storage room for the agents, followed their advice, secured their demands. All of that is hardly a basis for saying now that we need to send in 40 FBI agents on a raid. I mean, if the subpoena worked the first time, then presumably a second subpoena would work the second time if there were remaining documents. And all of that is exactly correct. And that's the protocol. You request documents, and if you resist, you get any resistance, then you get a subpoena for the documents. And if they still won't turn them over, then maybe you have to do a raid. But he had proven that he would be willing to comply with the subpoena already. And this time they didn't even ask. They just said, bam, here we come. Forty agents, we have a warrant. Get out of here. We are taking anything we want. And they spent nine and a half hours inside that residence, starting at 9 a.m. on Monday morning and didn't leave until 6.30 p.m., acting on a warrant that was signed and granted by a judge who hates Donald Trump. And if you didn't know that part of the story, there are Facebook posts by Bruce Reinhart, the magistrate who approved this raid and signed the warrant. There are Facebook posts indicating how much he detests Donald Trump. In fact... This judge, Bruce Reinhardt, also recused himself. This might be new news for you if you're just tuning in. Recused himself from a, from a, a lawsuit between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. The reason for his recusal? Because he said he couldn't be impartial. He recused himself because he couldn't be impartial. That means he favored one over the other. That means he disliked one or the other. Which one did he dislike? We know the answer from the Facebook posts. He dislikes Donald Trump, and because he couldn't be fair and impartial, he recused himself from that trial, from that lawsuit. But when it came time to sign a warrant to go search Mar-a-Lago, he didn't recuse himself there. He signed it. What does that tell you? 
So I hope this keep brings everybody up to speed as to where we are. This is a very, very new development that we talked about in the 9 o'clock hour. And in case you weren't listening, I wanted to share with you now. Uh, we still have time for more phone calls. 216-901-0945-888-281-1110. Also, sound off on alwaysrate.us. We'll be back. Enlightening the sleeping masses and stoking the fire of the American dream. Always Right Radio with Bob France of The Answer. 1139, and we've got just a few minutes left here to squeeze a few more phone calls in. At 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. Don't forget, if you missed any interviews today, they'll be posted shortly after the end of the show afternoon. Uh, check it out at alwayswrite.us, alwayswrite.us. The latest on the raid and everything else associated with it. The bill that they're going to vote on tomorrow, the tax and spend monstrosity, all of it is available right now at alwayswrite.us. Let's go to Twinsburg. Joanne is on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning. Go right ahead. Morning, Bob, I think. Who knows? You know, I mean, I've been thinking about this. I mean, not only can they plant stuff in what they took, because nobody knows what they took, how many bugs did they leave in that house? I mean, come on. They're going to be listening, watching. I mean, if I was Donald Trump, I'd consider burning the place to the ground and rebuilding. He's certainly got enough money to do it. I mean, you can't trust these people at all. I mean, no, you can't. Just, you I mean, can't. But I, but I have to think. You know, everybody talks about President Trump being one step ahead and playing chess and blah blah blah. I have to think that he, uh, as much as anybody, has his entire premises swept for bugs every single day, probably multiple times well, a day, to make sure that they can. Probably, you know, he's, he's got, but at yeah. the same time, I mean, God knows. I mean, they're in Melania's closet. For all I know, they're in her clothes. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know, and the other thing I wanted to talk about is, you know, you're talking about people saying they're getting off their social media pages because they don't want people to see what they're all about. Well, they don't want the government to see what they're all about. Way smarter than that, Bob. All they got to do is look at the voter roll. You got an R next to your name. You're a target. Yeah. Plain and simple. Yeah, that's very true, too. But, you know, but the thing is, it's one thing, you know, you're going to have 80 million R's. They're not going to be able to, 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 um, uh, to audit 80 million people, so they're going to say who are the ones that we hate the most, who are the ones that no, are the troublemakers, have who are the ones that are the on leaders. Your back than the rest of us, I agree. Right, <laughs> and, and, and I think anybody who's got a big Facebook page or a big Twitter following right. who is posting MAGA stuff, you know, again, that's where they're going to look. And people are saying, "Man, I'm getting out of here. I'm not going to bring attention to right. myself." Right, but I mean, but I mean, they they don't even need that. They've got other ways of finding us yeah. and making us miserable, and you know. I mean, it's just unbelievable. I mean, I'm sorry. I think this just put Trump in the driver's seat. I, I do. All right. I really jo- do. Joanne, I appreciate it. Thanks much. Uh, let me get to uh, Twins, or not Twinsburg. That was Twinsburg. This is Middleburg. Middleburg Heights, to be precise. Kathy, good morning. Go right ahead. Good morning, Bob. I'm glad the gentleman called about the oath because that was one of my questions. Uh, very interesting. And also, regarding Melania Trump, Mm-hmm. How violating that they went through her wardrobe and closet and everything. Does, do you know if she can sue? 
Probably not. Probably not if they had a warrant. If the warrant covered the premises and says anything, I mean, they can they can open up your cupboards and look in between your dinner plates to see if there's a document stacked in between there. I mean, they can open up anything. They can go through the pockets of your wardrobe, um, literally just about anything. They can unscrew uh, the 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 drain trap uh, or or the uh, the hair trap or whatever you call it in your shower to see if you stuffed anything down in the drain. I mean, oh my gosh, this is what they do when you're searching for drugs. You know, and things like that. They can literally look anywhere. And uh, hell, I think they could have if they'd have wanted to. I think they could have torn up floorboards to see if they put anything under the floors. That's that's how widely expansive a warrant is. If they got one that you know they read that that they had the uh, yeah yeah uh, the, the permission and approval to search the entire premises. That means they can tear the place apart quite literally. So violating, just yes, so it is. violating. I am so angry about this whole thing. Yeah, and and, um, and unnecessary. Just, it, it, it was unnecessary because absolutely. he cooperated with the with the subpoena back in the you know uh, in the spring it was issued and then on June third it was conducted and he gave everything they wanted so it was unnecessary to do this which is why uh, you know we're all wondering is it is it really about getting documents for the National Archives or is it about creating a, um, uh, you know an impression in the minds of voters that Donald Trump somehow ran afoul of the law that's what they're doing yeah and shame on that judge. Mark my words, one of these agents is going to post something on social media, something that was pulled, because I'm, from what I'm reading is there's been some activity uh, uh, recorded in the House that was yeah. not legitimate. I've heard, I've heard so, that, too, and I, and, and I would not yeah. be surprised at all to see them leaking things, for, for crying out loud. Look what we've seen in just the last several months. We had a draft opinion of a massive, massive Supreme Court decision that was leaked outside of the Supreme Court, for crying out loud, in order to try to, you know, for the Democrats to try to do something to get out in front of it and stop it. So there's nothing they wouldn't leak. There's nothing they wouldn't do to try to harm their political enemies, which is what Donald Trump is, and sadly, it's what you and I are as well. Disgusting. Thank you for the good show. The good, thank you for the call. The good news is, however, do I am I not hearing music? Are we coming up on our uh, our end here? Because yeah, there we go. I guess we're done. Thanks, everybody. Let's we'll see you go, Brandon.